Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. Blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Well, let me tell you, mylifeinabook.com is a very unique service. I did it for my mom and my grandmother, and it has been amazing. It basically turns your mom's life stories or your grandmother's or anybody that you think is special in your life into a book. So here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send a question via email to the special person, whoever you choose. You can ask custom questions too, but I just kind of let my life in a book choose what questions to ask. And then your special person like your mom can type their response or they can record their voice and my life in a book compiles it all in a beautiful keepsake for you. And guess what? They can even create audiobooks. I mean, this is such a unique gift that will last a lifetime for you, your mom, your children, your children's children. It is the best gift you can give. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use our code clink at checkout for 10% off. This is an unforgettable gift for you and your mom. Get it today. Use our code clink, mylifeinabook.com. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, White Wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like White Wine, True Crime. And in bed by nine, because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Welcome. Welcome. Housewives of true crime. Housewives of the True Crime. 
birthday edition. Well, actually, it's already been my birthday because you guys get to listen to this on Monday. My birthday was Friday. You are taking a week for your birthday this year, though. You're getting a birthday week. You know what? You 100%. Are one of those I'm, I'm, I'm here for it this year. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't generally do that. And I get embarrassed about it. And I'm like, no, no, we don't need to do anything. But you know what? Oh, no, I don't think you ever say we don't need to do anything. I think you normally take a birthday weekend. Or a day. But this is a birthday. Well, if yeah. I feel like if your birthday falls on a weekday, you kind of get the birth. You get that following weekend. For sure. For sure. And since you came out, you know, six days before my birthday, we it's had to celebrate. Party. Ah, of course. And so we celebrated going to the Bieber concert. It didn't end up, I mean, that's not why we were going to the Bieber concert, but it just ended up turning into a birthday celebration. A birthday dinner. Because you were here, Bieber. which was so nice. Yeah, it was so fun. And now I am back to reality. Back to life. And you guys, she did not turn into a believer. Can't say I did. Unfortunately. He's so skinny. He's skinny. He is not an epic dancer. He's not an epic dancer. You're he right He hardly that. even, like, took his sunglasses off. Don't I diss, did, dude. Don't diss. I'm just saying, like, if he wanted me to fall in love, I need, like, a moment. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? It's It's fine because we don't both need to fall in love with him because... I would get really jealous if... If I was in love with him, too? Yes. So <laughs> I think I'm fine having it just be all me. It's okay. And then my car broke down the day after. I had a lovely experience with Justin Bieber. And, dude, let me tell you guys, I have a newish car. It's one years old. It has already had a new transmission, which is balls yeah. to the walls within the first, you know, two months of having the car. And now... Whatever happened, the guy sent me a picture. Some, I don't even know what happened to it. He said he's never seen anything like it. Yeah, dude, you got a lemon. So I told my husband that I'm not really sure I feel safe driving the car. The brakes, you guys, went out while I was yeah. driving. I love, though, that on the upside, she is like, calls me and says, listen, I found the best Mexican food in Texas. I totally did. <laughs> it's like, there is a silver lining to this story. Ah, tell me about it. I totally did. The four hours I was waiting to get the car on the flatbed to take it yeah. to the dealership, I found myself a Rigoberto's <sighs> in Dallas. If anybody lives in Dallas, this place had the best like tacos, carnitas tacos. Get them there. I promise you, you will. Thank me later. Oh, nice. It, it was like California Mexican food. Even the rice and the beans. It wasn't Tex-Mex. It was fully good. Good. Yeah. Good, yeah. good. We do have the best listen, Mexican food in California. I like Tex-Mex too, but it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. It's just different. Well, we had the end of softball season. So we wrap that up. So now I have had my afternoons free. So we've been doing stuff. You know, my kids have those Healy shoes. Mm-hmm. My my kids used to have those. Uh, so I, I have the same size feet as my children. 
Because if you didn't learn? know I have funky feet, I couldn't do it, dude. It's so hard. It's so hard. I don't, my kids can't do it either. Oh, Kyla was really good. It's, the boys weren't as good. It's, it's a process to learn for sure. Yeah. Well, I can't do it. I don't They're going to keep, they need like a little bit of a hill. They can't like start it on their own. You have to pump it and then you stand kind of like front and back. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like not doing thing. the trust fall on my butt <laughs> with yeah, myself. I, I do not I don't think suggest. so. I'm like everything. I think you're too old for it. Just uh, FYI. Okay. Coming from the lady that just went to the Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> You are also having a birthday in about one week, so. That's true. True yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Some of those things, I just think if you fall, you're going to break a bone at this point. Yeah, I don't need that. I get a bruise for anything. This lady slammed a tennis ball at my leg yesterday, and I have a big old round bruise on it now. Yeah. It's not pretty. Yeah. All my kids are covered in craziness scabs all over their bodies why we're can't... not we're not coordinated we you're... fall a lot up oh in here oh my gosh you're gonna get cps called on you oh my okay. god that well we just had had a well check at the doctor you know and he's like where'd you get that one she's like oh i fell off the bench oh where'd you get that one i fell on the carpet at the pizza parlor Coordination is not your... It is not our strong suit. Okay, so then that's what I mean. Maybe it's not you're too old. You're just too not coordinated. Coordinated, and I pass that, those genetics on to the children. Lucky Mm -hmm. them. (laughs) Hopefully, they're funny, too. They are already funny. Mm -hmm. So I think they definitely have that going for them. Okay, good. All right, so do you want to get to this week's case? Yes, ma'am. All right. All righty. This week's episode is one that actually a lot of listeners have suggested, so many so that I'm not going to name them, but you know who you are if you have suggested this case. I want to thank you all for your suggestions, but I also curse you for making me look into it. Mm. Just kidding. That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, kind of, because I really do like your suggestions, but I really do not like serial killers. They scare me and they are scary. And this one had a child component to it that I actually have to talk about a little bit. So listener listener discretion here. This case does deal with a child kidnapping and abuse to a child, which I'm not going to go into extreme detail. I will save you from that, but I will discuss it a little bit. Okay. So let's get into it. We are headed to Yosemite, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Really is. I think you would agree. I would agree. Uh, Yosemite is a national park in the middle of California, home to Half Dome. Millions flock to Yosemite every year for hiking, biking, climbing, camping, like you, Gretchen. I have camped and stayed at the lodge. What lodge did you stay at? I think it's called Tanaya. Okay. Yeah. That's not the lodge I'm talking about today. I thought you were thinking maybe there is that. It's like El Pachi or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Fancy lodge. 
I dream of staying there. I would like to stay there. Okay, okay. let's do it someday. I, someday. And some people just go for the day for like the great outdoors. You know, it's very magical there. So it, it, Traffic is balls, though. I don't recommend just going for the day. Oh, remember? And it's like one road in, one road out. Yeah. Remember that happened to you? You went on some uh, yeah. memorial weekend or some shit, and then it was bad. Yeah, it was bad, bad. The surrounding area of Yosemite, I will say, is pretty rural. There are those lodges that we're just talking about, but and there's some restaurants, but there's no, like, big town that right. I know of. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have stayed at Bass Lake and then gone for the day. And that's, I see a lot of people do that when I used to go to Bass Lake all the time. Mm-hmm. In 1999, taking us way back to when we were, you know, well, I wasn't even 20, but you were 20. Rock it out to Prince. Yeah. Okay. That was a okay. fun, that was a fun New Year's. Remember that? I do remember that New Year's. Yeah, it was a good one. Well, right after New Year's in February, there was a mom named Carol Sund and her high school daughter, Julie. They were from Eureka, California. They decided to take a trip to visit some colleges and see Yosemite on their way. They also had with them their foreign exchange student, Silvina Peloso from Argentina. Silvina was not only their exchange student, but she was the daughter of a dear friend of Carol's. Carol actually studied abroad way back when she was in high school, met Sylvina's mother, and they stayed super close. And so when it was time for Sylvina's daughter to, you know, do an abroad program, she sent her to Carol. Nice. The girls were both in high school. Julie was 15 and Sylvina was 16. The ladies all flew to San Francisco and then they rented a car from there, a red like Pontiac, fun little car to drive Mm -hmm. around Central California and they headed into Yosemite. On February 15th, the ladies went on a hike and then hunkered down at a little hotel called Cedar Lodge. You know that one? No, but I can imagine it. It looks by the pictures of it like every other lodge that you yeah, drive by. Yeah, there's a bunch of little spots to stay right outside the park. Yes. And they're all kind of yeah. like brown, woody yeah. type of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's what this one looked like. Uh, they went and got some movies from the front desk and went back to their room. The next morning, the ladies were gone and the room looked like they had showered, threw their towels down and dropped their key on the floor and left. They never checked out at the front desk, but I rarely do either, so I don't think that's a big deal. No. When the ladies were set to get on their plane to come home, they never showed. When Carol's husband, Jens, came to pick them up and they were not there, he, of course, became alarmed. He tried calling their cell phone, but could not get a hold of them. And then he called the rental car company and learned that the ladies never returned their car. They had a cell phone in 1999? Yeah, I had a cell phone in 1999. I can't remember. That's when I, I got must mine. Have. Okay. And I did read that um, actually Carol and all of her kids had cell phones by, I think, 1999 
or like her most of her family did. That's when having a cell phone was super dangerous because it was like if you went over your minutes. Yes. I mean, there was no like unlimited plan. No. And I don't think you people, were asked. I don't think people really used their cell phone at all. You know, it was like in their car for emergency purposes kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, there was definitely not text message, I don't think, at that point yet. No, I don't think so. Uh, soon after, it was like the dut, 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 you like have to push like three numbers. I got really good at, at learning how to push numbers and which numbers yeah. were which letters and all that. Yeah. Um, so he also called and they he noticed that they did not get on their plane. So right away, people were on the lookout for these three. They thought that possibly they went for another hike and got lost, but there was no sign of them or their car anywhere near Yosemite. Carol was also super responsible, so it was very unlike her to just take a detour without telling anybody and miss a plane. So the search teams were in full force for weeks. They had extra search because it was a national park. I think you get like some extra services. Okay. But nothing was giving them any sort of clues until a wallet, which had Carol's credit cards and ID in it, was found 150 miles away in a town that we are very familiar with called Modesto. Oh, hi, Scott Peterson. Home to Lacey and Scott Peterson, if you guys, that rings a bell to you. Uh, The wallet wasn't found until late February. And at this time, once they found the wallet and it was 150 miles away, they were thinking there's some major foul play here. And they moved all their efforts actually to Modesto. They searched all routes leading from Yosemite to Modesto, looking primarily now for the rental car or any sign of a body as they suspected murder. Mm -hmm. Carol's family, they were trying not to suspect murder. You know, they just wanted their family home. So they went on Good Morning America, pleading for the good the girls to return. Uh, Carol had three other kids besides Julie. And all of them were optimistic, hoping their mom and sister would walk through the door any minute. And poor Sylvina's family, can you imagine? Like, they're in a different country. They're trying to figure out what the hell happened to their daughter. It's got to be devastating. Oh, yeah. And um, then on March 18th, so we're talking a month later, a hiker in a different forest in California called Stanislaus Forest. Do you know this name, Stanislaus? No. Me neither. Can't say I do. So he stumbled upon a torched red car. And when he called authorities, they came to see the vehicle. And sure enough, it was a rental car. It was the rental car of Carol Sund. Inside the trunk of the car was two burned bodies and scratched on to the hood of the car read, We have Sarah. Oh, damn. So, also, hey, if you were hiking and you saw a burnt car, would you call the police? Now I will. 
Now I will too, but I do not think I would. I don't know why. I, I well, don't if think it said would, we have Sarah, if I saw that, yeah, I then, would. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah, that's scary Listen, stuff. No hiking. Oh, by the way, you guys, Tab made me hike when I went out to visit her. I did. Can you believe, can you believe that? <laughs> I did. She was like, "Let's let's go out and then let's uh, get up early morning and hike." I did do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. We went out in Fort Worth and then burned off that tequila. We burned off all the tequila because we had another full night ahead of us. So you got to get out and get some fresh air and get those, you know, calories off from the night before. Mm -hmm. And the night before, you know, I really binged after we came home. I binged eating. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is how Tab does keto, you guys. She doesn't eat bread. And then... She eats French fries, but the, but the problem A- is after she's done with her sandwich with no meat. <laughs> uh, that's only after I have like a few cocktails, and then I say, "Oh, f it, yeah, f it all, yeah." yeah. That's what happens. Okay, okay. So the bodies in the trunk after dental records were explored were that of Sylvina and Carol, um, but where was Julie? The FBI actually got a clue when a letter came in the mail with a map and a note. And it said, we had fun with this one. And on March 25th, they found Julie's decomposing body dumped by Lake Pedro. I thought Julie you said her had name been... was Sarah. There is. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But Okay. It just said that, but it, I'm not confused. That yes, her name it is said Julie. Sarah, but her okay. name is Julie. Okay. Right. Julie had been sexually assaulted and her throat had been slashed. The three women had been murdered and investigators were on to who the culprits could be. There were a group of men. They were vagabonds and meth addicts that actually had like sexual assault charges prior in Modesto. You know, there's like a bad part of Modesto. Yeah. So they bring in these guys and... First of all, they were sure it was a multi-person crime just by where each of them were found. Also, it said, we have Sarah. Also, the note said we. So they were like, this is not just one person. So they bring in these men and one of them actually confessed to the murder. Okay. So the FBI was pretty certain that they had their guys. Um, They put out a note saying, you know, we're pretty certain we have them. So everybody kind of, I think, relaxed at this point. And it's not too far after the girls went missing. Well, that is until July 21st of that same year, another woman went missing. This time, a 26-year-old free spirit named Joey Armstrong. Joey grew up in Orlando and became an environmentalist after high school. She was an educator who lived right outside Yosemite in these like cabin-like houses. She was getting her car all packed up to go on a trip to see a friend, but never made it. Seems as if someone took her straight from her house as her door was still ajar and her car was all packed up. And they found, when they found it, Joey was actually found very soon after her friends told authorities that she was missing. She was found very close to her home in a stream where her body was damaged severely and her head was decapitated. 
She had been sexually abused as well, and this time the killer left more of a trail. There were footprints and tire tracks, and these tires were pretty distinct. So FBI then decides that maybe the guys that confessed to the last killings weren't actually the right guys. That guy in jail, although he said he did kill those women, he was a meth head, and he didn't actually have all the facts straight. Hmm. So I think he, like, falsely confessed, Gretchy. Well, I think that happens a lot. I think it might, too. So the FBI went back to the Cedar Lodge where the first victims were staying and went to question the worker there. There was one worker that actually was arrested that same day that Joey went missing on marijuana charges, which was sus. They had originally questioned everybody at Cedar Lodge, the manager, cleaning staff, and the handyman named Carrie Stainer. And that is the same guy that was arrested that day on marijuana charges. No one had a criminal record except for him, but his criminal record was having possession of marijuana, which is not even illegal anymore. Right. So when they questioned him at first, it seemed like it was nobody at that hotel. In their initial interview and investigation, the handyman was actually quite handy. He showed them around, opening doors for them, assisting them with their investigation. He also had told them how his brother was kidnapped back in the 70s. And he was a real nice guy. He actually lived at the lodge, so he pretty much knew everything that was going on around there. But when they returned the second time around, Carrie actually seemed to have packed up and left without anyone knowing. And this looks real suspicious. Yeah, it does. So they released a be on the lookout for Carrie Stainer alert. And lo and behold, someone at a nudist colony in Laguna del Sol saw Carrie and called the FBI. Okay. Do you know uh, Laguna del Sol? I don't. You know, I'm just not familiar with as many nudist colonies as I should be. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually know that they really existed. <laughs> yeah, there's do. that beach, Bates Beach, oh, by yes. where we, used to, we lived, where there was a, a nudie beach. That's true. That's true. Sorry. I, did, I do remember actually seeing nude people there, but it was a nude beach. I don't know. No. I have no desire to see. I don't even like to see myself naked. I know. That's the I thing. don't want to see anyone else naked. <laughs> well, Carrie actually had a thing Ever. for sunbathing in the nude. By the way, I just read on Daily Mail that men should be sunbathing their balls every day because it helps testosterone. I'm not shitting you. Like, I just read this like last week. I don't think my husband needs any more testosterone and he needs to keep those things shaded. <laughs> Maybe he needs to put ice on them, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, maybe Carrie didn't need to be, <laughs> did not need to be tanning his balls either. Okay. The investigators showed up to this nudist colony, which I am sure was the talk of the department on who gets to go in first. Mm -hmm. And they bring in Carrie for additional questioning. And it didn't take long. From what the detective says is he pretty much buddied up to him on the car ride. 
Carrie asked the detective if he knew who his brother Stephen was and told him about uh, all about Stephen, which I'm going to get to in a minute, all about Stephen. He questioned the detectives on the kidnapper of his brother and asked him if he thought that the kidnapper's seven-year sentence was enough and if it was just. And, of course, the officer said no, which is true. Right. Of course. Seven years for kidnapping? That's bananas. Yeah, I know. Kidnapping two people. Yeah. He then went into the station where he stated that the meal he was eating at the time would be his last meal as a free man. And then the detective asked him to tell him what he meant. Carrie then asks for some child porn in return for closure. They say, what type of closure are you talking about? He says, for all this stuff, all this stuff that's happening with these girls. Well, they get to him to talk a little bit more without giving him child porn, of course. And he proceeds to talk about Joey. The detectives listen with what the detective said is non-judgment. He kind of says, listen, I didn't want to judge him because I didn't want him to feel any, any which way. So he would just keep talking. Yeah. And he would be comfortable to get it all out. So they eventually told him, you're not getting any child pornography. But they also say, you know, it seems like you're getting this off your chest and it's really relieving for you. So maybe you should just tell us everything. Carrie was pretty emotional and he ultimately confessed to killing all four women. At first, he claimed to not sexually assault them, had not sexually assaulted them. But we all know that's a lie. Right. He also asked to talk to a producer to make a miniseries out of his acts, just like they made a miniseries out of his brother's life. Carrie confessed to the detectives and he said the day before the night of the murders of Carol, Julie and Savina, which would have been Valentine's Day. February 14th. Right. Carrie had actually planned on murdering his then girlfriend and her two kids. Oh, my God. They luckily were saved by having people show up at their house unexpectedly. So Carrie didn't have a chance to do it. And so when Carrie went back to the lodge, which is where he lived, he saw Carol and the two girls through their window and noticed that there was no man with them. Oh. So on the night of February 15th, Carrie knocked on the door to Carol's room. He stated he was the handyman and he was there to fix a leak that was coming from upstairs into their bathroom. Carol at first says, nope, sorry, you know, there's no leak and doesn't want to let him in. Carrie then states, well, then I'm going to have to go get the manager because we need to fix this. And Carol finally says, fine, come in, fix the leak, whatever, right? Once he's inside, he's carrying what looks to be a tool bag, but that would end up being his like murder kit and goes into the bathroom. He comes out and with a gun and he says he needs their help. He takes Carol into the bathroom where he strangles her. He comes out and sexually abuses the girls until he says he can't stand Sylvina's cries any longer. And he takes her into the bathroom where he kills her. He then puts the two women in the trunk of the car. At this point, I think he takes Julie to a different room so she doesn't see that her mom and her friend are dead. 
He then puts Julie into his car where he drives over an hour and a half. And at this point, Julie is trying to stay super calm and make small talk with him. And she says her name is Sarah. Oh. That's where the Sarah comes in. Okay. He then takes her near a lake and sexually torches her for hours before he tells her that he loves her and slits her throat. This episode is sponsored by Astapro. Thanks, Astapro, for providing Tab and I with samples. Shout out to all my allergy suffering friends out there. You know how they say it's that time of year for allergies? Well, for me, it sort of feels like it's always that time of year. I thought I had tried everything until I recently discovered Astapro. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. It's faster, bro. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Clink, clink. You have heard me talk about my language learning skills with Rosetta Stone, and I'm telling you, I'm getting really good at it. I learned a little bit of Japanese before we went to Japan last year, and I really love the French language, so I'm learning French at the moment. Bonjour, bonsoir. I'm even getting a little bit of the accent down. Not very good, but I'm I'm getting there. And with Rosetta Stone, it makes it so easy. I download it on my phone. I learn it in the car. It is awesome. You can do it on your desktop, wherever you find it convenient. They are there for you. And they have 25 languages, you guys, that you can use. And right now they are giving a lifetime membership for 50% off. So you can learn as many languages as you want for your entire life, which is amazing. And the best part is it starts off, you know, with just words and then phrases and then sentences. And then you should be able to have a conversation with somebody that also knows the language, which is, you know, my entire goal. So don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now. Seriously, get started before your summer vacay the our listeners get 50% off the lifetime membership that's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life redeem it today at rosettastone.com forward slash today which is so effing sick oh no this is demonic like I can't even believe people are like this. So once he kills them, he lies low for a bit until he runs into Joey after sunbathing his balls. And Joey is an amazing woman. She is like, I'm not taking this monster. She fights with all of her might. He ties her up in her room and then gets her into his car, which, dude, the girl only is able to walk. She has like her hands are tied behind her. 
she somehow gets her flings herself out of his car while it's moving and runs down the street and he stops and he just like she just is too immobile to get away from him and unfortunately it's so rural there it's like there's nobody driving by so yeah it's not a holiday weekend Gretchen at this point and so he takes her this is why he didn't take her very far and he assaults her and he cuts her throat so aggressively that it decapitates her he took the all the investigators to all the spots he showed them everything he showed them where he tied them up he showed them where he threw his duct tape he showed them everything that he did and at the end of the day he tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity Mm -hmm. and i will tell you i think that carrie stainer had many demons in his head and I am going to tell you a little bit about him and possibly what could have contributed to his demons and his urge to kill. But although I will say that I think he's insane, I don't think that he's so insane. He didn't know that what he was doing was wrong, you know? Yeah, well, I have a thought and I'm sure you'll probably maybe you'll like get into something like this, but. That whole thing about the producer and he had this brother who was kidnapped. Uh-huh. That is like, so was he jelly belly that his brother got attention for being kidnapped and he was finding some way to get attention too? Um, I will tell you, yes, he was jealous. I'm going to get into that a little bit. And Yes, that part of it is like, you want a movie made out of me? Like, yes, I think there was partly that. I think I'll, I'm going to tell you in a minute, but I think that his, his thinking about murder stemmed way before even his brother was kidnapped. Okay. Uh, My other thought is, you know, those, when I'm traveling, I do travel with my children without my husband. Um, and I don't like, I don't like to stay in those hotels that have the doors on the outside. Oh, I don't either. I know that's like that. And hotel. I think we all that are, are, you know, if you're not traveling with another adult, you know, whatever, then stay with the, the doors on the inside, much you know, safer. I will tell you when he said that he was looked and there was no husband in there, that scared me. Yeah. That does scare me because I was thinking about all the times that I go on vacation without my. Oh, yeah. We're always like driving on I-40 or, you know, something. And you never know who's like watching you. And there's just a bunch of drive where there's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. It's true. So let me tell you a little bit about Carrie Stainer. He was the oldest of five kids. One younger brother, Stephen, and three younger sisters. When Carrie was very young, he was diagnosed with a mental disorder called, and I'm going to try to say this right, but you guys, this is a crazy name, trichotillomania. You ever heard of that? I know there's a trickle something where you pull your hair out. That's it. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, it. I'm- so Carrie would pull his hair out on his head so severely that it would put bald spots in his hair. Mm -hmm. 
This disorder is usually super long lasting. Uh, People do it because it relieves stress. Mm -hmm. They said that he was diagnosed when he was three, which is real young to be doing something like this. It's usually more in your adolescence into your your teens. Yeah, I knew someone who had this. I did too, actually. Mm -hmm. I did too. And do you think the person that had it had some trauma in their life or why do you think they had it? Yeah, I know she did. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So it gives stress relief. That's what, that's why they do it. Right. So I'm not sure what could have caused Carrie to have this problem at such a year early age. And I'm suspicious that something could have happened to him possibly sexually to cause it. Yeah. There is nothing that I read that said anything sexually happened to him at three, but later it did. So when Carrie was a little older, we do know that he was sexually assaulted by an uncle in the family. So my suspicion is that the uncle started when he was little. Very young. Yeah. Awful. And that Carrie himself doesn't even realize that it was that young. Yeah. When Carrie was 11, his brother, who was seven, named Stephen, was abducted by a pedophile named Kenneth Parnell. This story is pretty well known, so a lot of you probably know it. But for those of you that don't, Stephen was walking home one day when two men pulled up and confronted him. One said that he was a reverend and needed help with some charity and asked if Stephen's parents would be willing to help this man's charity. Stephen said, yeah, I think so. You know, my parents like to help people. And so he said, okay, I'll take you to your house. Well, Stephen said, no, I'll walk. It's just right there. The guy said, no, no, I'll take you. I want to talk to your parents. And Stephen, thinking this guy's a pastor of a church, Gets in the car. Yeah, pastors are never creepy. Right. Never. <laughs> never. Uh, the man then drove Stephen to his house instead of Stephen's house, where he kept him for over seven years. While Stephen was missing, the Stainer family, you can imagine, was overly distraught. And Carrie often felt like his dad blamed him for the loss of Stephen. Yeah. I think his family was so overwhelmed with Stephen's loss. And I can only imagine having a missing person is almost worse than having a dead child. Dead person. For sure. There's no really, there's, there's, yeah, it's torture. It's torture. How do you go on with anything? I think it's very hard. Yeah. I think it's very hard. And I think it was very hard on their family. And I think Stephen, as the oldest child, took a a brunt of it. At the same time, his uncle started abusing him. Mm -hmm. Um, Carrie also admits that he had repeated thoughts of murdering women. For years by the time he was 11. He says he thinks it started around the time he was seven. So well before Stephen went missing. Wow. 
The nice part about Carrie, I guess, is that while Stephen was missing, Carrie every night would go outside and look at a star and wish upon it that his brother Stephen would return home. And after seven years, one day, Stephen did return home. It was an absolute miracle. And I mean, the world knew about it. And this is how it happened. When Stephen was 14, he was becoming less desirable to Kenneth, who was a sick fuck of all sick fucks. And so Kenneth got one of Stephen's friends to help him capture a five-year-old boy. When this five-year-old boy came into the house, Stephen knew what he was in for and felt like he needed to save this little boy. So Stephen, at this point, Stephen had been with Kenneth for seven years. Kenneth had brainwashed him into believing that his family gave him up. Once he took Stephen to his house, he said, oh, actually, your dad told me to pick you up because they can't keep you any longer. And we're going to call you Dennis. At some point, he told Stephen that his father had died and his mother moved away. So Stephen thought he really had no choice for those seven years, but to just go along with Kenneth's sick plan. But as soon as he knew that Timothy White, the five-year-old, was going to be abused and hurt, Stephen snuck out with Timothy one night and took him to a police station. Once there, he sent Timothy in um, and he was just going to hide. He just wanted Timothy to be found. But Timothy got all nervous because he's a five-year-old child in the middle of the night trying to escape. And they ended up finding both boys. When they found Stephen, uh, he has this famous line that they wrote a book about in a movie. And he says, I know my first name is Stephen to the officer. He then says, I think my last name is Stainer. And sure enough, when they looked him up, he was the missing kid. So Stephen saves Timothy and is considered a hero. Right. The national news picked up on it. I mean, Stephen's story was everywhere. It got a ton of attention. It was a miracle. Um, He was on shows. I mean, they have a book written about it. They have a movie. And while Carrie was super happy to have his brother home, I think you can imagine that a dynamic is so different than when he left, right? Right. He left at seven. He comes back at 14. Yeah. But he comes back as a 14-year-old acting like a 20-year-old because he lived with this guy, Kenneth, who let him smoke and drink. And he had a very bizarre, unstructured, abusive situation for the last seven years. Right. So it most likely wasn't like anything Carrie ever dreamt of. You know, when you think somebody's going to come back and your brother's going to be like this and we're going to bond and whatever, like his fantasies of that have to be destroyed because it's just not like that. Right. Carrie ended up moving to his uncle's house, which I think is the same uncle that abused him. Uh A few people claim it was. I mean, I don't have concrete proof, but I'm pretty sure it was. The uncle ended up 
getting murdered while Carrie was living there. Uh, It was determined that it was a robbery gone wrong. I can't help but think that could have been some karma. Yeah, it could have been. Mm -hmm. There's no, uh, we don't really know a lot about that. Um, And I don't know how that affected Carrie either. Like, if it was really a murder that somebody came into your house and murdered your uncle, was it like good riddance, you slimy fuck? Or was it like, I still love my uncle in this weird, twisted way? I don't know. I mean, in an adolescent mind, it could be like that. Mm -hmm. I would hope it's good riddance, slimy fuck. Well, he was 19 at the time. Right. Because he he's now when Stephen comes back into his life, he's 18. OK, so he's old. I mean, not old, but, you know, he was 11 when he left. Now he's 18. Stephen's 14. I mean, I just it's just a it's an effed up situation. Yeah. So Carrie did hold down some jobs and he did art, which everybody says was really amazing. He never really dated too much. He kept to himself. He was a very good looking guy, Gretchy. Uh, Besides his hair problem, his hair picking, you know, he wore a hat all the time to cover that. Um, When Carrie went on his murdering spree, he was 37 and... I'm telling you, he looks like a guy that you would date. He was tall and handsome. Looks kind of like Jeremiah. Thanks for that. Which I'm not telling you that Jeremiah looks like a serial killer. But Mm -hmm. the fact that he looks like that is like real scary to me. Yeah. Like you would open the door for that handyman. Yes. Yeah. I would. We know you would. You'd probably give them your credit card and put gas in their car. I would probably also do that mm-hmm. and buy him some clothes. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Uh, he did say at his trial, he said, I wish I could take it back, but I can't. He said, I wish I could tell you why I did a, I did such a thing, but I don't even know myself. I'm so sorry. I wish there was a reason, but there isn't. It's senseless. When he was evaluated for the court, because they tried to plead the insanity plea. He, you know, they didn't go for it. They did say that he had obsessive compulsive disorder, mild autism, and paraphilia, which is like sexual arousal by odd things, something like that. But they found him sane enough to know what he was doing. So, um... I think that, honestly, I think he wanted to get caught because I I think like sending that note and doing some of the weird things that he did. Well, he did it at his own job. He did it at his own job. Like he, I don't think that, I think he wanted to get caught. I don't think he wanted the death penalty, which is what he ended up getting. Um, And until recently, he was sitting with Scott Peterson in San Quentin. No way. Yeah. But I mean, Carrie is still in San Quentin on death row. Um, Scott Peterson is not any longer, right? He's not on death row anymore. He will never get put to death, this guy, because it's California. 
Yeah. He's 60 years old right now. And so I assume that he'll be there for a lot more years. Yeah. And then back to Stephen real quick. Kenneth Parnell, like I told you before, he got sentenced to only seven years and he served less than five. I think it was. No way. Yes. Yes way. It is so awful and horrific that the guy did not serve hardly any time. Okay, so Stephen was reluctant to talk about his sexual abuse. As you can imagine, a 14-year-old boy being asked to express all these details was not something that he wanted to do, mm-hmm. especially being like world famous now, right? It's like very awkward situation. Yeah. He was very embarrassed to tell his father. He had to get up on the stand. And I think when he got up on the stand, he didn't come off very believable. Um, And they tried to get a statute of limitations on his trial. It was just totally fucked, the whole thing. And so the guy only got seven years. That's so crazy. they let him out of prison. And Stephen, he got teased a lot uh, at school. He was called faggot. And he ended up turning to drugs and alcohol, I'm sure, to cope with even more abuse from stupid kids. Oh, fucking kids are such assholes. I know. That's awful. Awful. So by his mid-20s, Stephen did have two kids and was married, uh, but he got into a motorcycle accident and died at the age of 24. Wow. Which is such a tragic life. Like, yeah, this is where I just part of me wonders if I don't know, this is really deep, but if we have some sort of like reincarnation where it's like you got really effed last time, let me yeah, put you in a hope... better situation this time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I really hope so because uh, that yeah. just, I hate that, you know, and yeah. I hate when kids get abused and, and then I don't know, like everything that I read, I'm just like, I hope that there's something more out there that go to heaven and have the best time. Yeah. Um, as for Kenneth, he got out of prison, and you'll never guess what this sick fuck did. He tried to buy a four-year-old boy for 500 bucks, and thank God the lady that he tried to get to help him buy this child went to the police, and they set up a sting, and he went back to prison uh, where God. he died in 2008. Excellent. But he should have been in prison for like the whole time. The whole yeah. time. The whole time. Yeah. Uh, and Timothy White, the little boy that was held captive. I think he only got held captive for two weeks, which is still a freaking long time. Oh, that will traumatize you for. Yeah. Forever. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He ended up dying from pulmonary embolism at the age of 35. <sighs> And he worked as a L.A. sheriff at the time, and he had a wife and two kids. I mean, the story is so tragic. Yeah. All of it. It's like the butterfly effect. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story of 
Carrie Stainer, the only one that's survived, but the poor Stainer family also. I mean, yeah, bunch of shit. I hope they moved out of the area and got a little peace. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look them up. It was so, that case to me was so uh, dark. I just was like, get me over it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you one next week that is less dark. Okay. Is it the one you were telling my kids about? Yes. (laughs) Okay. It is definitely less dark if Gretchen's able to tell my children. Thankfully, she did have a case to tell them because after my last one with the teachers, they really want to know what my next one was. And it was this one. And I was like, there is no way in hell I'm telling them anything about anything. this case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know. So that's a wapadoo. Uh Let me tell you guys, I want to thank you all for joining our Patreon Lots of you have joined lately, and we truly appreciate it. If you guys want more of us, go to patreon.com forward slash housewives of true crime, and you get an extra bonus episode on Thursdays, and then one bonus crime a month where Gretchen tells you some juice. Also, we talk more personal um, on that page if you want to know, you know, what's going on in our lives, I guess. We spill the tea. We spill the tea. And if you don't mind, please rate and review us. We really need it. This, you know, the algorithm and all that shit. You guys know how that works. Also, follow us on Housewives of True Crime group on Facebook. We also have like a dieting, fun, tell us what you're eating these days uh, group. If you can find that. I don't remember what it's called at the top of my head right now and housewives on crack i mean keto (laughs) or whatever is working for for you you. and what else uh we have a instagram we do have a tiktok but i'm not very good at it no she's not Uh uh-uh but i'm doing much better on instagram i'm really trying to make us like stepping it up stepping it up And I think that's all until Thursday for our bonus and next Monday for your more lively crime from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So clink, clink, guys. Clink, clink.